Hey listeners and welcome to the Surf Coast Creatives Podcast. I'm your host Ben Hucker and doing today's intro with our special guest will be co-host Jess Mallington. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast then we hope you enjoy today's episode. But what is this podcast all about? Well, we tell the stories of doers thinkers and creatives on the surf coast in australia why do we do it well we think the coast is a melting pot of creative minds from the city the country and the coast and we wanted to get their stories out there each episode is packed full of insight and a good dose of practical hints and tips from our guests our guest today is the founder of a hugely successful business called retreat yourself box her name is kate williams or kate bucken after she got married at the beginning of 2020 to her loving partner andrew retreat yourself is best described as a a seasonal health retreat in a box inspiring you to become your healthiest and happiest self. But the onset of a pandemic in 2020 forced Kate to rethink her entire business model and where she wanted to go as a young entrepreneur. She also had a little bubba at the end of 2020, so the all-in 100% focus on her business is no longer possible. She now has the very real responsibility of being a mum and running a business, among many other challenges. Find out how she juggles it all in this episode of the Surf Coast Creators Podcast. Leave us a rating on your favourite pod platform afterwards, or better yet, share it with a friend who you think might enjoy today's episode. Once again, I'm your host, Ben Hucker. This is episode number 37 of the Surf Coast Creators Podcast. Our guest today, Kate Williams or Kate Bucken from Retreat Yourself. Hey listeners, welcome to the Surf Coast Creatives Podcast. I'm sitting here today with my other half, Ben Hucker. Welcome, hey Jess, ben. how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Bit, bit hot in here today. Bit hot, bit warm. Yeah, I think I need to take this jumper off. But anyway, we're going to introduce our guest. Welcome, Kate. Kate Williams, how Thank are you? Thank you, good. Good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Great to have you on the show, Kate. Kate Williams officially or Kate Bucken still? Oh, look, I'm kind of having an identity crisis. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still Williams officially, but I've got the marriage certificate, obviously, so I need to change my name over. But it's a lot. Like, There's many things that you have to do. There's lots of admin. So for now, I'm kind of in between. (laughs) Is that actually an issue for business and other things? I know you do a lot of public speaking, a bit of mentorship and other things. Does that... Yeah, it's... So in the business, I've always been Kate Williams. So to change my name to Kate Buckin is like, obviously, it's probably not a huge deal, but I think from an um, administrative point of view, changing over bank accounts, um, we've just bought yeah. a house, changing over the house documents, the bank stuff, I'm just going to figure out what actually needs to be done and what the like outcome of that's going to be and what it's going to affect. But I just haven't done it yet because I've had my hands full since the <laughs> wedding. So yeah. 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 So big wedding January last year. Feb last year. Feb yeah. last year. Yeah. Just before the lockdown. Just before the lockdown, we yeah. managed to sneak it in, which just was great. Just in time. Yeah. And you got so your honeymoon in. We yeah. got half the honeymoon in. Wow. <laughs> we um we left four days after the wedding. Went yep. to the states on a snowboarding trip. We oh, got out. Cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, got an RV called Kev. Well, we named him Kev. Yeah. <laughs> Kev, on, Kev the camper. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then about a week in, I bulged a disc in my back and couldn't walk properly. Ooh. Um, so we turned our snowboarding trip into just a um a car trip or a, a Kev trip, I should say. <laughs> um, and then about a week after that, I found out I was pregnant, and then. A couple oh, of days wow. after that, we had to come home because of COVID. So, well, wow, that was, was a busy start of the year. It was, yeah, Crazy. yeah. Whereabouts were you snowboarding? Colorado or? We went to, where did we go first? Um, Mammoth Mountain. Oh, yeah. um, and then we went to Squaw Valley. That's where I hurt my back. Literally, first round of the day, oh, 10 no. degrees. We we're going to do one big laugh and go get a beer and just like enjoy yeah. ourselves. And um, was just snowboarding along, didn't even stack or anything, and my back just tweaked out, and I was really? like, I can't move. <laughs> um, so that was pretty bad. And then we'd, we'd planned on going all up um, through the states and up to Canada, Whistler, and all that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah we didn't do that in the end because of many reasons. So <laughs> wow. well, I think snowboarding is almost a guarantee of some type of injury. We know that just from experience, don't we? Well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm very accident prone. So I took Jess to Mount Buller two years ago. I think it was August. I might have been the start of September. The snow was still coming down and it was really nice. <laughs> I decided to take Jess up one of the, I think, I can't remember the name, the summit. It might be. Now, yeah. yeah. Jess ended up going down the black run instead of the blue run. <laughs> I directed her to go down initially. Because it looked like there was less people and I was like, oh, I'll go down there and go and on the black like... run. And then I head first tumbled down. <gasps> oh, this, like, we call drop. that a scorpion roll in the, <laughs> yeah. in the business. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Basically a scorpion. Next minute in the emergency facility and getting treatment from the doctors. But I didn't know where Jess was. I lost her for the afternoon. So I'm out having the time of my life on the Sunday afternoon. Four hours later. I was about, because we had a plan to meet at the shops at the bottom of Mount Buller. 
and so I couldn't find Jess, and you know, I was cruising. I was just, I was, looking, I was keeping an eye out, but I couldn't see it. But she was in the medical room the whole oh, time. Oh no! It is definitely I'm accident prone, and I've done like <laughs> six, like four winter seasons around the world, and I've had so many injuries. Really? So many Any injuries. Wrists? Um, yeah, I've had. Well, I shattered my knuckle on my middle finger. I still can't bend it, oh, wow. and they had to take bone out of my wrist to fix oh, wow. that. I've cracked a rib. I've like almost dislocated my shoulder. I've like almost smashed my kneecap through my um, knee pad on a rail. Oh, wow. I've like smashed my shin on. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even. You gonna sound get like it. a hard You're course. Hard this, course. This so you could, like park the park and stuff. Look, I when yeah, I've done like I've said, I've done lots of winter seasons. I started doing winters when I was like 22, um, yep. and so I've done a couple in Canada, Japan, all in Australia. So I've spent lots of time at the snow. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then one season, I think it was 2014, we did it Perisher here in Australia. And I was like, right, I'm getting into park this year. Like, I'm going to go up every day and I'm going to practice in the park. And then one day I woke up in the morning and I was like, I'm going to buy knee pads today. Like, it was just this random, like, thought that I had in my yeah. head. Went and bought knee pads, went up to the mountain and then 90 onto a rail like caught my toe edge, smashed my knee through oh the knee pad. Like I had a big dent and now I've still got a dent in my knee now. It looks like a little bum really? in my knee. <laughs> but I'm like, if I didn't have my knee pads on, I would have completely. So then that day I was like, maybe I won't ride park. I think I'm too <laughs> unco for this. I do, a, I, yeah, I do a tiny, tiny bit, but not, yeah. not very much, yeah. Well, there you go. I did an intro for Kate Williams, the, the businesswoman, at the start of the podcast, but... It sounds like Kate Williams extreme snowboard as well. So. <laughs> and probably a good time to kick off our first segment, Jess. So it's gonna... called Breaking the Ice, oh. but I think we've already broken the ice. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, Kate, where were you born? New Zealand. A little New town Zealand. called Parapara Umu. <laughs> yeah. What is it called? Parapara-umu. Parapara-umu. We call it Paraparan back home, but I like saying sounds that like for the para... shop value because people are like, what? what? <laughs> sounds like Paraparat. Yeah, it does. Back to I've been there to go and take a photo under the sign to send to my family, but really? there's no sign. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's actually, there's not much in Paraparap, is there? No, there's just not. a couple of roads, and I think there's an old mansion out there, but not much else. Yeah. But that's interesting. Yeah. Our second Kiwi on the podcast. Yeah. In addition second to Jess Sherman. Sherman. Yep. Nice. And, oh, I've changed the question. But, uh, what's your favourite activity to zone out? I have a couple of activities that I like to do to zone out. Um, walking on the beach is one. Um, yeah. But if we're talking about winter, it would definitely be just like snowboarding, you know, snowboarding and powder. <laughs> oh, it's so wow. good. yeah, yeah, just completely in the zone. Yeah. yeah. So first else. chairlift. Yeah, up yeah. At eight, it's up at seven to be on the chairlift at eight o'clock. Yeah, snow when it's snowing heats and yeah, you're able to just like yeah, snowboard in the powder. Which and, is better, Japan or North America? Um, depends on the season that you get. Yeah. <laughs> I had, um, it just depends. Like you hear people talk about Australia being crap snow, but I've had good days in Australia that, um, are just as good as days I've had in Japan. So everywhere has good days. Yeah. Um, but the season I had in Japan was pretty epic. I left in April and, um, we had like 40 centimeters of snow the wow. day oh that God. I left. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we have in a season in Australia <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But honestly, I was talking to someone about this the other day. Australia has epic snow. Like, there's so many people don't think it does because they only go occasionally. But yeah. if you go up lots, yeah, you get some pretty. Like there was a couple of years ago, um, we got some epic powder days. Like amazing. Yeah. I was going to say a good day at Perisher is there's there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. Like nice rolling hills. Yeah. You don't get too many sharp rocks sort of you know jutting out, but it's just nice smooth rolling. Get a couple of really sort of technical steep sections as well, so yeah. nothing better. Yeah, Parrish is awesome. I love Hotham though. Hotham is my favourite. Is it? Hotham always. The terrain yeah. at Hotham it's is insane. Yeah. yeah. And Hakuba is not bad, but um, the only thing in Japan I find is it's it's always overcast, so you can't see where you're going. Yeah. And you have this plan to stick together with your mates and then two minutes later you've lost everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's just you, by the sounds of everything. Yeah. You lose And the worst thing about Japan is, because I went there by myself and I just went out snowboarding by myself the first couple of days and I had my map because I was like, oh, I don't yeah. know where I'm going and I knew I had to start my job in like two hours yeah. and it was snowing buckets and my map got so wet from the snow it just disintegrated yeah. and then anyone that worked on the lift didn't speak English <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where I am, and I have no idea how to get back to my lodge. But um, yeah, so that's that's a tricky part about Japan. That's when you start doing sign language. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do I go? Actually, they're really, really helpful in Japan, aren't they? 
so Such polite, nice people. So helpful. Yeah. They would have loved you because you got blonde hair. Yeah, they're just. I remember when I first arrived in Japan by myself. I had my snowboard bag and my big suitcase, and I got to Tokyo. And I just kind of the way I travel is, I just I really just wing it. And I had the address of where I was going. Yeah. And got it into Tokyo. Hopped into a t- um, taxi, and I'm like, this is where I'm going. And he was like, get out, get out, because he didn't he couldn't read the the English of oh. the address. <laughs> and I was like, what? So I hopped out of his taxi. He was quite rude actually. Um, but yeah. most Japanese people aren't like that. Yeah. Um, and I went to the information desk. They didn't know where I was going and it was this big kerfuffle it was like one in the morning and I'm like I just don't I just don't know like how to figure out my where my hotel is yeah. um and then eventually I, I managed to sort it out um and in those big Tokyo undergrounds have you guys been oh it's yeah. massive yeah, yeah and those huge steep flights of stairs and I yeah. pulled my suitcase and it twisted and went tumbling all the way down the flight oh of stairs God. and this girl came running over at the bottom and grabbed it and helped me with it and she said where are you going I, I've lived in um, Canada before and she got some other guy who she didn't know, who didn't speak English, to hop on the train with me going in the opposite direction. Oh, wow. Who then hopped off, carried my bag, and walked me to my hotel. So That's that was my so nice. first experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a great first experience. <laughs> uh, question number three. This is going to be fairly obvious, but we like to ask it anyway. Full-time or part-time creative, or in your case, entrepreneur? Yeah, at the moment, part-time, but definitely full-time in terms of headspace. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the moment I'm kind of working part-time um, and then I'm normally full-time. That's why I like asking that question because I would have assumed absolutely flat chat, full-time entrepreneur, but part-time. Well, great. yeah, I like to make sure that I've got a bit of balance. Yeah. yeah. And we do know what you mean by not being able to switch off in terms of, you know, strategy and planning and all the rest. It never ends, does it? No, never ends. There's always something. Have you got any tips for switching off? Like... You know, the old traditional get home at five o'clock, turn on the, the six o'clock news. Is that something you do? Oh. No, no. I, I think for the first couple of years, I never, ever switched off. Like my brain was just like 100 miles an hour because I was so excited. Um, and now I still get so excited and my brain's going all of the time. But I think it's just you have to have um, really good self-discipline. So I'll close my laptop, walk away. I know that if I'm on my laptop till nine o'clock at night, I'm not going to be sleeping. Like my brain's yeah. going to be ticking. Um, I never used to watch TV, but now I love watching a Netflix series. It's just a great way to switch my brain off yeah. um, or do a meditation or something like that or sit down and have dinner with my husband and chat yeah. about other stuff. Yeah. Um, just anything other than work until you've kind of down-regulated because otherwise you're kind of in this like fight or flight state yeah. um, and it's really challenging to, to yeah. go to sleep. You can get stuck in that bubble, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, question number four, Jess. Uh, this one's a fun one. Are you a camper or a glamper? Definitely a camper. Nice. <laughs> Hardcore, yeah. just like your snowboarding. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the adventure of it and like, yeah. yeah, being just in the middle of the bush or wherever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. Do you have yeah. any favourite spots on the coast? Uh, we often go to Skeens Creek, which is just a campground, mm. um, or we've been down to Joanna or yep. um, inland. There's a, some falls down there. I don't know. We've just got a rooftop tent. Um, and I just love, there's nothing better than having your little like camp stove top and making like the shittest coffee ever. <laughs> but it's just so enjoyable because you're camping. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah. you bake <laughs> beans or whatever. Yeah, I love it. It's great. All you need when you're camping is a hot drink and a fire, don't yeah. you? Yeah, exactly. Doritos and chocolate. And, and maybe some wine. <laughs> some red wine, yeah. yeah. Just drink out of plastic cups too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. then you set. You don't need much, do you? No. So. And hopefully you lose reception. That's the best part. Yes, for sure. You do it, Joanna, in some spots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Joanna, there's nothing. We went there Easter, what, two years ago? Yeah, and I forgot to book the campsite. Absolute amateur mistake. And I was like trying to find service oh. to book this site because they were all filling up and I was like, oh. <laughs> anyway. We were waiting for the tap on the door at 10 o'clock at night from the park ranger. You know, yeah. where's your permit, guys? <laughs> we didn't get it, thankfully. Oh, I feel like something always happens down there. I went down there on a solo camping trip with my dog and I'd been down at the beach just watching the sunset and yeah. came back and I was just hanging out. I was sleeping in the back of my car. I didn't have a tent or anything. Yeah. And um, these people came past and knocked on the thing and I'm like who who's knocking on my window <laughs> and they're like is this phone yours and oh, I really? left it down at the beach oh wow yeah oh, so thank yeah, goodness because so otherwise nice. I would have been stranded yeah. like. that's a lifetime of contacts there sitting on the beach 100 percent yeah google maps yeah we well, can back up your phone now but when you lose it god it's a pain so yeah that, that that's extremely lucky just on your campus setup so do you have like a full drive and a bit of 
what do you have going on there? Just because we're, we're looking at the van life experience and yep. getting into that. Yeah. What sort of setup do you have? We just have a rooftop tent. I can't even remember what brand it is. Um, so when I go, when my husband and I go away together, we just take the rooftop tent and we just pop that up on the top of his ute. Um, yeah, he has a ute. He was considering turning his trailer, like dragging his trailer along and turning that into like a kitchen type thing, but yep. he hasn't done that yet. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen. <laughs> um, and then when I've gone by myself, I had a, I used to have a wagon and I'd sleep in the back of the wagon, but I don't do that anymore because I have a baby. So yeah. <laughs> life has changed. Yeah, life has changed. <laughs> And your husband as well, busy being a, a dad, so yeah, yeah. I'm sure the, the kitchen on the, on the back of the ute's taking a back seat for the time being. Totally. Actually, yeah. I can't, looking forward to talking about your travels actually, but we'll continue on with question number, number five, five, your favourite TV series. Oh, there's so many for so many different reasons. I love, I love Handmaid's Tale, I love Shameless, um, but I'd probably, those two are my favourite. I don't know why I got so into Handmaid's Tale. But, but I did. I think it's the suspense. It's all, you're always in suspense. And Shameless is just so un-PC but so great and <laughs> hilarious at the same time. Yeah. Both. I think both of those have been recommended on the podcast before. And yep. you, you've read the book for Hand, Handmaid's Tale, No, you? that's not me. No. That's someone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. No, sorry. <laughs> you need to watch the TV show. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Someone else, yes was talking about that the other day. But I heard lots of good things about Shameless. So good. I'm yeah. actually just getting through Breaking Bad. Oh. I missed that back in whenever, when did that come out? Early 2000s. I think yeah. that was one of the, the initial big blockbuster TV series. Yeah. Along with Lost and a few others. So I'm still catching up on that. I've never <laughs> seen it. So there you go. That's a good one. Talk yeah. about un-PC. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a good one. So question number six, Jess. Uh, where's the first place you'd go for a coffee in Torquay? I'd go to the Salty Dog, I reckon. I like oh. lots of places for different, again, for different reasons. And yep. But I like the Salty Dog because it's not that far from my house yep. and I can take my dog there and you can sit outside in the sunshine yeah. and it's really nice. Yes, yeah. and the coffee's good. Yeah. Okay, that's got a few ticks of approval, the Salty Dog Cafe. I think Ryan Rao, that was his favourite, wasn't it, from two yep. episodes ago? Good vibe there. It's the only, it's, apart from the kiosk, not the kiosk in town here, but the... the has the kiosk on the beach got a name? Is it just called the I kiosk? I think it's called the... Uh, I'm not sure, yeah. Apart from that, like the Salty Dog is the only one right on the beach, on the isn't beach. it? On the beach, yeah. So yeah. probably why it's a favourite for many. And there's so many dogs there, and I love yeah. dogs, so yeah. it's great. <laughs> I love watching all the dogs mingle sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always the little dogs, you know, puffing out their chests, <laughs> and the big dogs are just kind of... Yeah, the little ones. Brushing them off. They're the ones that really <laughs> have a go. <laughs> Small dog syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> and the last question for breaking the ice. Um, were you busy during COVID or were you flat? Very busy. <laughs> doing many things. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, lifestyle businesses just exploded with growth last year in your business. I gave it a brief intro at the start of the podcast, but a lot of lifestyle businesses and, you know, consumer goods and all the rest just exploded with growth, especially online e-commerce as well. You found that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we exploded um, a lot. I came back from my honeymoon unsure of what to expect um, and went into kind of damage control um, and had like 10 um, sheets on my spreadsheet trying to figure out different scenarios of what might happen and what we might need to do and um, ended up having to kind of restructure the business. Uh, And Christy, one of the girls that works with me, and I took on everything. So she was pregnant, I was pregnant, um, and we both took on, I was doing all the customer service, I was doing like just all the day-to-day stuff, so was she. Uh, So that was hectic. Um, And then we had to rehire, we rehired three new girls um, during COVID. So yeah, Yeah. it was very full on and being hormonal and (laughs) At the same time. Yeah. Uh, Would you say your business doubled? Like, are we talking that sort of growth or? Um, Our business kind of, yeah, our business, Retreat Yourself has kind of doubled every year anyway. Um, So I reckon we, yeah, we grew more than than that last year. Um, And during that period, because we're a subscription business, where if we acquire customers and we retain them it's just exponential growth um you know rather than just day-to-day sales growing um so yeah we've grown we've grown significantly from covid yeah cool and a good segue to take us back in time to where it all began so what year did you start retreat yourself uh, as two, a business 2015 2015 so you're going six, six years, years now 
Yeah. For some reason, yeah, five and a half. Yeah, we launched in November. Actually, yeah. fine for a lot of our guests. That's kind of the sweet spot for a lot of our guests. That that five year, six year mark. So, yeah, take us back. How did how did that all begin? How did you come up with the idea, the concept? Yeah, it's a it's been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> the idea for a treat yourself kind of came from lots of life experiences for me. I think it all stemmed back to being a teenager. Um, start or started being a teenager when. I had um, body image issues and that kind of thing, which many teenage girls do. Um, I started seeing a life coach who worked with me um, around the body image stuff because obviously being super restrictive with food, um, she got me to think about you know, where that was coming from and I started to realise that you know, um, I had to change my perspective, I had to work on my mindfulness and all of that kind of thing. So it started at a young age. Um, yeah. Then I went travelling um, and travelled a lot extensively in um, lots of different countries. Um, third world countries like Africa, India, like Asia, you know, all around the place and saw communities and people that had um, seemingly no, or nothing of material um, value, I suppose, but they were so happy and fulfilled in what they had. Yeah. Um, and then coming back from those countries to um, Western world, I often felt quite like sad about coming back to, you know, here where we've got so much at our fingertips, but yet people are so unhappy. Yeah. Um, and so I really, obviously, through all of these different experiences, I knew that I wanted to help people in some way, um, just wasn't sure what, and I was still travelling and just doing my thing. Um, and then when I was about 26, I had a quarter-life crisis, I like to call it, <laughs> where I was like, what am I doing with my life? All I've been doing is travelling. I didn't I don't have a university degree. Um, so I booked a one-way ticket to Melbourne and found a corporate job. Yep. Um, and, yeah, again, working in corporate, um, I learned so much from that job. It's, it really set me up with many of the foundations for what I had to use to start Retreat Yourself. But um, just going into the office and people were, um, you know, always whinging about things that didn't really matter and, um, you know, getting so caught up in stuff, um, you know, that would weigh them down and um, just like then their whole life would be based around what they were doing at the weekend or when they were going on their next holiday. And I was like, you're not actually enjoying your life. Like we have so much opportunity here, um, you know, in front of us in in the Western world, but yet you're so... Um, so caught up in the day-to-day stuff that's, you know, getting you down and um, yeah. not living a, a really great life. So all of these things combined, um, I started to recognise that really, like, wellness, which I suppose, you know, many people think of wellness as food and, and fit, fitness. Yeah. Um, wellness, which is, like, your mindset, it's how you see the world, it's your relationships, it's your stress, it's your purpose in life. And all of these different things is really the foundation and the basis to having a life that you enjoy every day. Yeah. So I was like, cool, I want to work with people to help them improve their sense of well-being um, through all of these different avenues. And I studied holistic nutrition, so looking yeah. at um, you know all of the different elements of your life that affect um, your your overall health. Um, and then I met my husband in Japan at one stage. Oh, you we, met in Japan? Yeah, we met in Japan. Yep, yep, we did. Um, he was from Melbourne, so I ended up coming back to Melbourne with him, studied personal training and was going to start a, like a coaching business and it just didn't really flow for me. It just wasn't really working. And then I just liked the idea of being able to send out a box of all Australian products that supports small Australian brands. I'd seen the subscription model around and really liked the look of that. Yeah. Um, and the idea of getting like a retreat in a box sent to you, which encouraged yeah. you to pause. And like I think the, at the basis of wellness and living a life that you enjoy is stopping and reflecting like how can you um, change your life if you don't stop to have a look at um, what's happening and make changes if you get what I mean Um, so yeah so I like the idea of a retreat in a box and um, yeah that's kind of where it all came from Um, so it was a long it's kind of a collection of experiences across my life that got me to the point of starting it yeah yeah it sounds like there was no defining moment like there was no sort of click which actually is a common theme among all of our guests, you know, so you say, where does where did it begin? And it's really hard to sort of pinpoint where it began. Like, mm. for example, with yourself, it's been a collection of experiences traveling and, you know, being a little bit lost there in your mid-20s and then getting the life coach and all the rest. So yeah. hats off to you. Congratulations. <laughs> and you've actually been kind enough to bring along a box today and it's full of nice little goodies. We've got some... Uh, we've got Epsom, Epsom salts salt. there for a foot bath and they've got organic room spray. We haven't had a look at the rest of the products yet, but looking forward to getting home and checking the rest. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, target market, obviously female. Yeah, at the, it is female at the moment. Um, we 
generally between the ages of 30 and 40 is really our main target market but we do have lots of people older and younger than that that's just kind of who, who our main target is yep. um yeah so that yeah that's basically basically it we do, would like to do men's boxes we did a limited release men's box but um it's if I go into how the boxes are put together, you understand that it's not that easy to just bring out a new box and um, yeah. be yeah. like, cool, we'll just do a men's box or cool, we'll just do a new mum's box or whatever. Yeah. So much goes into the curation of the boxes and getting the products to go in them. But it's just, it would be too much. A lot much. of logistics to think of. Yeah. yeah. Not just yeah. a matter of picking and packing and sending it off. Yeah. So take us back to the infancy of the business. Did it start part-time casual, sort of as, as a side hustle or was it... Were you full-time from day one? Definitely started part-time. Yeah. <laughs> started on the side, um, but it was every waking hour outside of my work. So we, I was working as a personal trainer when we went to Jindabyne and did the season at Perisher, like I was speaking, cool. about, speaking cool. about before. Um, and so every moment outside of that, I was working on the business. It felt like I was climbing Mount Everest because I'd never done anything <laughs> like it before. And I'd always had um, quite a lot of trouble with focusing and concentrating and, and being able to apply myself. So I had to kind of learn that first yeah. before actually learning the skills of the business. Yeah. Um, and I think I went full time. What a great place to learn, Jindy. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. It was Couldn't think of a better place. Yeah, we had a house right on the lake too. So oh, it was very nice. beautiful. Um, but yeah, so, and then I went full time, I think maybe two years in. Um, it just got to the point, again, the, the business model itself, like from the outside you see we're sending out these boxes of products and you see what we're offering to the customer. On the back end of the business, we're very much a service-based business. So we're going out and sourcing products to go on the boxes that we're offering these three-month marketing packages. Um, yep. And it's very um, service-based in the back end. So I was doing it all myself and I was like, I cannot keep doing this yeah. as a part-time thing and scale the business. So I went full-time. Wow. So you had met your partner by then? Yes, I met him in Japan. In Japan um, yeah, and then, yeah. So we moved to Australia, back to Australia, um, and then I was just working a part-time job studying personal training, and then I started yeah. working on the business when we were travelling around Asia. Actually, I was working with a designer, getting all the branding stuff, and then we did Perisher, and then we came to Torquay. Yeah. I was going to say, how did you end up in Torquay from Jindabyne, Japan? You've yeah. done a lot of travel through Africa, Canada, as you mentioned. So yeah, how how Torquay? Why why the surf coast? I lived in Melbourne when I had the corporate job. I lived in Melbourne, um, and I used to come down here on weekends. Um, when a friend of mine had a house down here, so I'd come down, and every time I came down, it was like having a breath of fresh air. It was yeah. so nice, um, and so I always remembered Torquay as being like that. I think yeah. it sort of reminded me of home a little bit I suppose like a small town and the community vibe as well uh, yeah. and so we moved down to give it a shot and just never left I just love I love the element of community here I love how you go to the supermarket and you can see 10 friends or yeah. you know you yeah. walk down the beach and you bump into people and everybody's so supportive and there's a great creative yeah. network and everything as well especially salty dog yeah especially salty dog love it. actually <laughs> just having run a PT or a gym for almost three years. I can't get anywhere in Torquay without you running into someone and having a, a 30 minute conversation. So <laughs> I've learned to just keep on walking. <laughs> Being relatively new to Torquay, I can sort of get away with it. But Jess, she's like the unofficial Lord Mayor. So. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. But yeah, it's a great community. Do you get home back to NZ much? Still got family there? Yeah, my mum's actually over from New Zealand at the moment, which is awesome. That's um, good. Yeah. She... When did she come over? January. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there was that gap where the travel bubble was working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it was always a lopsided travel bubble. People yeah. talk about the bubble, <laughs> but they can come here. New Zealanders yeah. can come to Australia and not quarantine, but yeah. you have to always quarantine on the way back. Oh, so God. she lives next week and has to do the two-week oh, hotel yeah. quarantine. Yeah. But, yeah, so I get back every every year or two. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Usually. Yeah. That's such a sensational part of the world, New Zealand. Mm. Actually, I miss it, mm. being able to get over there and... Go snowboarding or whatever. Were you in the north or the South Island? Sorry. North, so north. the bottom near Wellington. Oh, right. Yeah. Cool. How do you say that? the name of that town again? Parapara Umu. Parapara Umu. There we go. We've got it. <laughs> you have to go there. Yeah. Or not. So it's been a, it's, I guess it's an understatement to say it's been a massive journey in a literal sense as well. But take, can you take us back to that moment when you decided to go all in? So from PT to yeah. the corporate job. It was corporate job, then PT, then... 
Look, it's a little bit scattered. I've done yeah. many things within the time. I actually, when I first came to Tokyo, I worked at uh, Surf Coast Whole Foods. So I worked there a couple of days oh. a week. Um, yeah, which was cool. And it, that was a great way to meet people in the community. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when I went from, and I was doing a little bit of PT stuff as well. When I went from all in um, into the business, I think it got to a point that I knew that I was just so strung out. I was working on the business like 24 hours a day. I was full on. I'd come home from Whole Foods and I'd be working on it and whatever. And um, I actually saw, there was kind of a pivotal moment. Um, I saw an ad for Shark Tank on TV and I was like, that's what I need. I need investment. I need money so I can hire somebody to work with me. And if I've got somebody to work with me who can take half the workload, we can scale it because I can work on the business, not in the business. Um, So I applied to go on Shark Tank before Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, before Shark Tank, I knew nothing. Yep. at all about numbers and stuff yep. it was very much run on passion and excitement and yep. um, you know building community and everybody kept saying you have to know your numbers if you're going on shark tank so i'm like all right cool so i'm on google like what numbers do you need to know in your business to go yeah. on shark tank <laughs> um but i learned so much like i i learned about forecasting and um you know cash flow and um roi and you know all, the, all these different um numbers and analytics that you need to grow a business you yeah. can't just grow a business on excitement you have to grow it on data and, and numbers um so i learned all of that for shark tank i got right through to the final round so i actually went into melbourne and got um got had to do the pitch um and just missed out to go to the tv round yeah Yeah. which i was devastated i was so devastated i was like this was you know the point that i was going to be able to turn it into like more of a a business and um, a hobby that was taking up my whole life yeah (laughs) um and so i yeah missed out was gutted about that but then the skills that i learned Mm -hmm. from trying to go on shark tank i then was like okay I could actually pitch this to somebody else. So I actually ended up pitching to a couple of other people and managed to sort out a little bit of funding, not quite in the same way as Shark Tank, yeah. um, and was able to hire Christy, who now works hand in hand, who was actually my manager when I worked in corporate. So I managed to snag her, yeah. which was awesome. So yeah. yeah. Well, that, that is a cool experience. And I can, I can only imagine there must have been hundreds of businesses that applied for that program. So to get to that, through to that final stage, was that kind of like an audition in studio when you had to go right to that next level? Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, I had to do the pitch to people. Oh, yeah, you actually did the pitch. And they filmed it, yeah, yeah. So it was incredibly daunting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the producer called me and said, you know, you're just just not quite ready for it. Um, And I was like, what do you, what does she mean? Like, of course I'm ready for it. I was actually quite, quite gutted about it. Yeah. um, Because I put so much energy, but looking back, I definitely wasn't ready, but the skills that I learned from from the application yeah. Yeah. were what managed it, which I used to catapult the business. Yeah, yeah, it's an awesome show. I just love that show. That's Janine Ellis. Was she on the judging panel at the yeah. time? Yeah, yeah. I when I pitched the business, I didn't do it to the to the judges that were on yeah. the TV show. It was just people that were in the studio. Yeah. Oh yeah, so it would have been the producers. Yeah. So you yeah. Get, get quite to that panel stage. Gosh, there must be because it's such a good business. Did that? Um, did that deter you in any aspect? Did you think, oh, maybe, you know, there's not much behind this idea? Was that a bit of a challenge? A bit of a um, setback? Were you just no, belief? I was still just blindly optimistic that I'd yeah. still be able to do it. Um, yeah. And I think which has been a huge part of getting the business to where it is today is just blind op- optimism and just being really headstrong and being like, I'm going to get from here to there. Yeah. Um, but no, I think when I recognised the skills that I'd learned to go on Shark Tank, so the numbers and the forecasting and the analytics um, and that kind of thing, I knew that um, I'd be able to actually make it into a real, a fully-fledged business. If you had one KPI or number or analytic that's really, really key for your business, because I know a lot of our listeners, you know, they're starting their own side hustles and they've perhaps gone full-time with their business, what's, what's one really big key thing that you look at? I think as a small business, and if you're just starting to look at your numbers, um, it would be return on investment with um, your marketing spend. So return on ad spend with Facebook advertising, if you're doing Facebook advertising or finding ways to measure what you're putting out and then what you're getting back. So if you're spending $1,000, how much are you making off that $1,000? Because then if you know that you're spending $1,000 and you're making $5,000, you know that if if you spend $20,000, you could make $100,000 if you get what I mean. So return on investment, um, then obviously customer lifetime value, um, 
Conversion rates on your... There's so many analytics that you need to oh, know about. Huge, isn't it? Conversion rates actually is a huge thing probably before your marketing, yeah. um, your marketing return on investment. If you've got an online store, your website is your storefront. Um, yeah. And if you're not converting people and getting at least 2 to 3% conversion on your website with the traffic that you've got, you're going to need to work on getting your website so that people can clearly understand what you do and want to buy from you. Yeah. If you're not getting those types of um, numbers on your website um, and then you're spending money on marketing, you're kind of just wasting your money, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, just not just revenue or making money it's got to be you know return on investment cost per click cost per lead all the mm-hmm. rest yeah because sometimes you can you can see the revenue and the cash flow coming in but when you break it down and see your numbers in detail you can actually be losing money sometimes so yeah it's so important as you say to look at an end figure like roi yeah of course yeah of course um and i also think understanding your cash flow like i never like understood cash flow at all and now I have a weekly every single week I look at exact I go through all of our bank accounts and I look at everything that we've spent I add in all of our sales um, and my cash flow forecast goes to the end of 2023 so I can see based on the change of sales and I've got a sheet that um, compares my forecasted data and numbers with what our actual sales are Um, so I can see whether we're on track or off track if I can see if I see that we're down on sales and we're consistently down what are we going to do to get them back up again so that we're you know if we have a loss of 50 grand of sales um, for example it might affect um, our cash flow maybe in two months time we're going to be 20 grand in the red Mm. because I hadn't forecast it properly so cash flow is 100% the most crucial thing to running a business cash flow is king as they say Mm -hmm. and that's really good to hear because as you said you started out with inspiration excitement and you know hope and the idea for a really great product but then you got serious about the data and analytics and the, the business, the administration side of the business as well. Yeah, it changed from a hobby to a business and I changed from a, a passionate person to a, a business person. Yeah, because yeah. we kind of look at, we can see your account, you've got 55,000 followers or thereabouts on Instagram, which is a, this day and age is a massive following, given how hard it is to get the attention of people on social media mm. and just the congestion on social media. So. A huge following and you look at that and you think oh yeah that's just a good idea and it worked and off it went but there's a lot behind this there's a lot of work and effort and yeah. thought and analysis by the sounds of it yeah there's a lot <laughs> a lot that goes on behind it it's yeah. definitely been a very yeah it's a, an intense business model the subscription um oh, the subscription business model is actually i suppose depending on what you're you're doing but the subscription box model and the way that i've set it up yeah. um is intense. Like I said before, we've got the um, um, uh, B2C side of the business, so we're selling direct to consumer, or D2C, I suppose you could say. Um, and then we've got our service side, where we're we're working with brands, where we're helping them to grow their businesses in the back end, and we offer them, we say to them, work with us, give us your product for, and we'll give you X amount of money, and you'll see yeah. this amount of increase in your audience. We can promise you this. We can promise you this. So. There's yeah, a huge amount yeah. of service-based stuff that goes on in the back end, so it's it's full on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know for a lot of entrepreneurs and some of our listeners, a big challenge is marketing. You just touched on it briefly there and talking about your, your website as your shop front and basically the welcoming page for people when they first come and see your product. Did you outsource copywriting and those types of things? I didn't outsource copywriting. I outsourced the website um, design and, and that kind of yeah. thing. So you felt like the copywriting was too intimate to sort of outsource to someone? I did at the time um, yeah. because, because the brand was coming from me um, and I was the person that was the face of it, which I'm sort of transitioning away from a little bit now, um, not being so in the business. I, I'm pretty hands-off in the business now of my staff pretty much run it for me um but yeah um but the the design and stuff i I definitely outsource i would suggest uh outsourcing to a copywriter though if you're not um confident in your writing abilities so for sure yeah if you need a good copywriter just um call ben (laughs) well there you go actually it's probably not my genre but yeah probably work more in financial services but copywriting in that in your industry health and wellness is a massive industry yeah you've got to work to your strengths yeah. If you're good at writing, write. If you're yeah. good at website design, do that. If you're not, right. outsource it. Give yeah. it to somebody else and use your time on the things yeah. that you're good at. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like you're transitioning away from this actually very similar story to Kayla Houlihan from Tribe Skincare, who's mm-hmm. outsourced a lot of tasks and 
got a team going on now, starting to step away from the business and starting to work on the business rather than work in the business, as they say. So sounds like a similar situation. Do you have any favorite tools or apps to keep you on track during the day, during the week? Uh, we use uh, a program called Teamwork now, which is a project management uh, software. So mm -hmm. we've got seven full-time staff. So we've got to make sure that everybody's working on the right things at the right time to ensure that all of our projects are always on time because each of our boxes that we release is a project in itself. Yeah. Um, so to keep everybody on track and to ensure that to ensure that I know and Christy knows where the projects are at any one time. We like to keep it all within that system. So yeah, that's basically, you log into Teamwork and it tells you what you need to do at any stage during wow, the week. That's good. Um, yeah, that's it's our Bible. Um, it's, it's awesome. Um, and then what else do we use? Uh, we use Slack. Do you guys use Slack? I was going to say, Slack sounds very similar to Teamwork, but Slack's yeah. more of a keeping everyone on the same page and chatting. Yeah, whereas Teamwork, it's like a, yeah, Slack's like a conversation tool, so it's sort of like Messenger. Teamwork mm. is more like, here's a project, here's all of the tasks that have to happen in a project, here's all of the milestones, here's all of the dependencies, and you plug it all in, and you assign all of the different tasks to different people, um, and then they tick them off as they go, and you can kind of see the progress of the projects uh, yep, and stuff. Yep. Yeah, it's great for just ensuring that, so even with for something as simple as our um, accounts payable, Anytime anyone in the business gets an invoice, we forward them to the accounts payable uh, email address. One of the girls mans that email. She then uploads the invoice mm. to Teamwork and assigns it to me, or now to Andrew, my husband, who's going to be paying our bills, <laughs> um, to the last day of the payment terms. And then so Andrew just logs it on daily and the invoices will be will pop up as they need to be paid, which yeah. is why I don't understand how people can be late paying invoices. Like set up a system yeah. that works, you know. <laughs> Um, oh, it makes it so much easier when you've got software apps like that. And they're only 20, 30 bucks a month, aren't they? I'm sure they're more expensive as you get more members of your team using it. But yeah. at a base level, they are so cheap and they just make life so much easier. And it stops that just that mountain of emails yeah, yeah. collecting your inbox. Yeah. It can cut your emails by 80%. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah so. there's so many good apps out there for sure. So that teamwork and Slack as a recommendation. And just... One other important business topic that we wanted to talk about was actually you've recently transitioned from uh, your old warehousing and distribution. I gather that was probably Melbourne. Yes, it was in Melbourne. So yeah. you've moved, you've shifted all of that to Torquay. Yeah. So there's a few reasons for that. Um, during co so we had a, a third party uh, warehouse in Melbourne. So it was a warehouse. They um, did a whole bunch of other um, packing and shipping for other businesses. We had used them for a couple of years and we kind of, I suppose, I suppose you could say we outgrew them um, to a certain degree. We needed a lot of um, information from them, where things were, um, what was happening uh, and to go into Melbourne and back was quite a lot of work for, for the girls. Yeah. Um, and so, and especially during COVID where there was times where the warehouse, it was looking like the warehouse might have to close down. They had oh, to wow. limit their staff, like all of the stuff, which would have greatly impacted us. Um, and so that was kind of in the back of my mind. And then the real thing that tipped us over the edge to get our own warehouse was um, I was obviously I was pregnant um, mm -hmm. and I wanted it. So Andrew and I had discussed that we wanted it so that uh, we could both ma manage the parenting so we could both have as much time with our son as each other. And I was like cleaning the house and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a housewife. Like, this is not me. Like, you're way better at this kind of stuff than I am. I really want to be working on the business more rather than working full time, being a full time mum. And I said, how do we get you in the business? And he was like, I don't know. We could open a warehouse. So I sat down, ran the figures, and I was like, oh, let's totally do that. Like, we could yep. totally open it, have a warehouse here. It'll smooth out all of our um, logistics and operations, and we've got way more control over everything that's going out. Yep. Um, so yeah, literally, like, I think it was in, like, a month later, we had um, the warehouse here in Torquay. So um, yeah, we, now Andrew's our full-time logistics manager. Well, I suppose part-time if we're sharing, sharing their parenting duties. Um, <laughs> And yeah, we fitted out a, uh, an office space. So we've got like a Bohemian Coastal kind of vibe office space oh, upstairs cool. where the girls work and um, yeah, the warehouse downstairs. So, which is awesome. And Ooh. he's also got a snowboarding clothing brand. So his uh, oh, wow. brand operates out of there as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what's awesome. his brand? It's called Black, B-L-A-K. Oh. I've seen that in uh, Anaconda stores. 
Yeah, uh, don't think they've said it somewhere. They're they're in um, lots of different. Uh, they've up at all the big ski resorts and stuff. Um, yeah. We had the shop Eddie Street Common over the oh, road. Oh right, ah, yeah, that yeah, guys. yeah. So yeah, but um, so he's got that and that operates out of there oh, as well, wow. which is awesome. Yeah, oh, I remember. Yeah, I remember you guys. Like you had some challenges last year, didn't you, with COVID and the rest? But yeah, we just turned into an office space, and now we've moved out, and now Yuki Threads is in there. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, that's probably a story for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It is a small community when you start talking about it. So that's probably the big technical business questions out of the way, Jess, unless you had any. I love all the business stuff, to be honest. Like, I could keep talking about that oh, for another hour. Yeah, yeah. me too. I love it. I love it. I love it. I listen to so many podcasts, you know, Pat Flynn and Tim Ferriss and all the rest and just froth on that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so. I think you have to. Like, I think... You know, you can start a business because you're excited about something, but mm. to actually make it into something where you're making money and you're you've got staff and all of that kind of thing. Well, it depends on where you want your business to be, but if you want it to grow and actually be sustainable and continue to grow, you have to get excited about the business yeah. stuff because that's the stuff that's going to make it grow and be an actual viable business model. Yeah. 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 People say, oh, it's geeky and this type of thing, but you've got to know it. You've flat chat. You've got to know it, otherwise you're not going to survive. Yeah. Exactly. Actually, that came across in Kayla Hulan's podcast as well so you just yeah. have to know your numbers yeah you definitely do well that's a good one and we see your following a massive following you've got a, quite a large personal profile as well so you know it looks all all roses but entrepreneurship as we know doesn't come without challenges what do you think has been your your biggest challenge to date as an entrepreneur Ooh, that's a tough question i think i think Probably learning how to manage my own stress um, has been, because obviously you've put so much, like I've put so much into into this business. Like I've literally had to change who I am as a person in order to run this business and um, change, you know, I've just done so much work. Um, And to know that, you know, things could go wrong or when things do go wrong, maintaining like, you know, a a balanced headspace um, has been quite challenging. So yeah, managing stress and just making sure that I'm, you know, not getting caught up in the ups and downs, I suppose, has been, um, yeah, the most, the most important thing. It's definitely been challenging for sure. And the issues with body image and the rest, they, they're gone? Like I, they're... Yeah, I, I definitely, I think pregnancy actually brought up a lot of the old stuff for me. I thought yeah. I'd got my, got a handle on it. Um, and at the start of pregnancy, I started putting, I'd, I'd shredded for the wedding. <laughs> and then I started gaining weight quite rapidly at the start. And it was it was really tough, actually. I, I was like, whoa, all of these, these things had come, come flooding back, all these body image issues. And... Um, then I, by the end of the pregnancy, I was like, I, I was the size of a house. I was huge. Um, and I was like, I actually don't care anymore. Like I think to, to go through the pregnancy and realize that I was okay with my body changing and being different shape and different size yeah. um, was the best thing for my body image. And now I feel very comfortable in my skin. That's, that's, that's good. good. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I imagine it's, it's a big issue for a number of young ladies. I know it's a big issue for men as well. You know, you've got to look the part and you, you can feel the pressure, especially with social media. Yeah. And the, the modern age. So. Yeah, there's so much pressure. There's pressure from the minute you wake up in the morning. Whether you realise it or not, a lot of it's, you know, like subconscious kind of messaging coming from all over the place. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's there's so much pressure on us to look a certain way, act a certain way, have certain things, you know. Um, yeah. So it's, it takes a lot of self-work, I think, to be able to not get affected or, you know, get, get by without um, feeling like you're enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably a good point too. It's pre- it's it's ongoing, isn't it? It's an yeah. ongoing. Oh know. yeah. 100%. Probably never leaves 100%, does it? So yeah. Yeah. For men and women, but uh, yeah, that, that's interesting to know. So managing your stress is a big challenge, and I guess we can get onto a more happy, positive topic, Jess, with our next question. Where are we on to? <laughs> Sorry, I've lost track. Uh, oh, look, this is a good one. So do you have a bit your ooh, do you have a piece of advice for budding entrepreneurs? No, the one before that. So oh, we what? talk about inspiration for our delete for that. Our guests, so <laughs> who inspires you in this world and why? Who inspires me in this world and why? Oh. Nice open ended question again. Yeah. I would say 
I'm inspired by lots of different people for lots of different reasons. And I've said this a lot of times on podcasts, but my mum really inspires me. She was a, so basically she climbed her way to the top of um, a big IT company, became the CEO, taught herself how to code um, in a time where women weren't CEOs and they weren't coders and they weren't, you know, they weren't at the top in the IT industry. Um, so she did that. She has some crazy stories about the stuff that she experienced. Which um, company was this? She it was in New Zealand. Um, there was a few different companies that yep. she worked for, um, but the one most recently was called Sysdoc. Um, and then she decided one day that she didn't want to do that anymore and carry that stress. So she quit and studied nursing and became a nurse. So oh, really? I just, I just, I feel like she's so in- inspirational um, because so many people. I was chatting to a girl the other day who was like. I'm 30 and I, I don't even know, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, you know, and I'm like, you have so much time, like 30 is not the end of your life, like you're only just beginning, you know, yeah. um, and for my mum to be like in her 50s and quit her huge, like high paying corporate job yeah. to become a nurse is pretty incredible, um, yeah. so she's so, in, I just, it's just a, she's an example of that you can do anything at any time if you choose to. Yeah. That's crazy. So CEO and then nursing, like that's that's such a transition, isn't it? Huge. Yeah. She's always been super caring. I think even as a CEO, she'd if someone had a headache, she'd you know give them a head massage or whatever. Yeah, she'd yeah. always she was very um, caring about the people that worked with her. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so she's pre- it's pretty incredible. She's done lots of amazing things in her life. But... Totally different to your stereotypical CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Characterised as a sociopath sometimes, so yeah, total opposite. It's definitely. I've had conversations about this. I think we're moving towards in a world in a world where we need empathetic CEOs. People need to have empathy. Yeah. You need to look after your staff. If you want a successful business, you have to have staff that respect you and want to work within the business. Yeah. But being an empathetic CEO, like I've come across so many situations where I'm like, oh, this is so hard, but it's because I actually have. I, I care, you know, and I can yeah. understand why sociopaths are CEOs because they're cutthroat yeah. and they're just they're happy to tread all over other people to get to where they are that they are. So I think yeah, there's definitely a space for for more em- empathy when it comes to running businesses for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's cool. So shout out to mum. My mum's a nurse as well, and my sister. So I can definitely relate to that. They're both both got a lot of empathy and. Most of my aunties are nurses as well, so I come from a family of nurses. I'm the same, sister, aunties, yeah, oh, all really? nurses, yeah. yeah. So when there's yeah an accident at a Christmas party or Easter, there's no shortage of help. <laughs> yeah, you sure. know, you're safe. <laughs> 16 first aid kits come out. <laughs> well, that's good. So biggest in- inspiration was mum. We get a lot of entrepreneurs and creatives, you know, freelancers as well, hobbyists, side hustlers that tune into the podcast. What would be your number one piece of advice for, let's say, for people who want to go, maybe they're part-time, they want to go full-time with their with their chosen passion? I would say, going back on what we were talking about before, know your numbers. And know your numbers is a big, broad thing. I had no idea what that meant when somebody said to me to know my numbers. Yeah. Um, start researching, start asking people. Like, I think a big thing about having your own business and, and actually getting places is, is being vulnerable and putting yourself out there and, and reaching out to people that might know more than you know. Um, yeah. You know, identify your area, areas of weakness um, and then go out and ask for help um, and then also know your numbers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if anyone listening wanted to get in contact with me, if they had any questions or anything on where to start, I'd be more than happy to to help out. And I'm sure so many other business owners would be the same. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Good advice there. So know your numbers and don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Actually, I listened to a podcast the other day with Chase, Chase Jarvis. Do you know Chase? Big snowboarder. So, um, actually, he used to be a ski photographer. Yeah. And the founder of Creative Life. But yeah. he said you've got to have the mindset of a child always yeah. when it comes to business. So yeah. you, the day you think you know everything is the day that you, you need to check your numbers and make sure everything's on track. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And also, I, like I said, know your your areas of weakness. So if, you're, if you've got an area of skill, keep working in that, hire other people and get other people to do things. Don't try yeah. and take everything on board yourself because if you're bogged down with everything and you're only doing everything at 50%, yeah. you're not going to grow. Whereas if you do what you do well, and put everything into that and then hire other people to do the other parts, yeah. um, the business is operating at a much higher level. Yeah. Yeah, don't be afraid to outsource. That's I think that's good advice. We've actually started outsourcing the editing of the podcast. 
just because it's you know it's it's starting to starting to consume more and more time. We're up to episode 37. We're spending you know, more and more time on editing and marketing and all the rest because we want to grow the podcast and make it something significant. But just the simple act of outsourcing—it's taken a while to find a good editor, but just doing that has saved us, you know, five to six hours a week. Exactly, and so. then you can use that time to find guests and to yeah. work on the marketing of it and everything as well. So yeah, a hundred percent. And I think a lot of people are scared to part with their money. So it's like, oh, but it's going to cost me to hire somebody that knows how to do that. But it's like. If you know your numbers and you have a cash flow forecast and you can see how hiring yeah. this person will impact your numbers, you'll know where, where where you're going to sit. But then you can also look at the return that you're going to get. So say you outsource your marketing to um, a digital marketer, for example, and you know that you're going to be paying them $5,000 a week or whatever. Yeah. Um, you can look at what the return on that's going to be and it's going to impact your numbers moving forward. Plus, your the value of your time spent on other things that you're good at um, is yeah. also going to grow the business. Yeah, I think really good advice. Keep that in mind. And a good segue to keep track, you said before, people can reach out and say hello and ask for advice. Where where can we go to keep track of your story? You can go to, so our Instagram page is retreatyourself underscore box. Uh, the website is retreatyourselfbox.com. My personal page is a piece of Kate. <laughs> I like that, a piece of Kate. Yeah, yeah, with underscores in between. Um, or you can reach out to me via email at kate at retreatyourselfbox.com. Oh, we didn't talk about your podcast. Do you want to give your podcast a little plug? Sure, I also have a podcast. I haven't been doing it since last year because I went on maternity leave, um, which wasn't really maternity leave in the end. Um, but yeah, so we'll be picking that up again. It's called Retreat Yourself Radio. So you can just search yeah, cool. for that on the Apple app or Spotify and also Instagram page as well. Is it going to be a big part of your business going forward? Uh, it's definitely, uh, uh, I think we might kind of transition the way that it's been done um, because I want to make it a little bit more focused from what it's been so far. Um, but yeah, it'll definitely be, it really sits well with what we do. I mean, at the end of the day, we sell we sell products or we sell boxes of products, but we're about a lifestyle. We're about improving your life through wellness. And yeah. so um, the podcast is the perfect thing for that. It shows that we're about so much more. We're able to have conversations mm. with experts in yeah. the field, which are able to have conversation with brands that are in the boxes and talk about their products and how they started and why they exist and things like that. Yeah. So it's it's it supports the business so well. It's just that, it, like you said before, it's so time consuming. It's yeah. oh, it's a lot. Yeah. Just the the effort and the like. You, you think I oh, have yeah, just record a conversation, upload it to the internet, off you go. But there's so much more to it, isn't there? So, oh, there's so much. It's like you could make it a full time job for yeah, sure. Podcasting. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I know there's a lot of podcast production studios that are popping up doing the editing and whatnot for for podcasts. So, yeah, it's a growing industry, but it's such a cool medium. That's why we do it. And it's such an intimate medium compared to a blog. You know, you can go online, read a blog, but you don't really know who's reading that blog. You can see traffic for that blog, but you get a lot of feedback from podcasts and a lot of interaction on social media. And we've started our own private Facebook group. Awesome. On uh, Facebook, so it's called Surf Coast Creatives Community. So mm -hmm. we've already grown it to nearly 200 members. Awesome. And yeah, it's just great to get feedback on episodes, and yeah, which is hard to do for a blog or videos and other things. So I think it's, I think as well, people are craving connection yeah. um, at the moment, particularly with the year that we've just had, and also with social media. People don't want to just see pictures anymore. They want to connect with people. They want to, you know, yeah. um, be able to actually hear people speak and hear people's stories so yeah. I think that a podcast is a great way people feel like they know you they feel like they connect with you yeah. um you know often like with the podcast that I had people would be like so great hearing your voice and you did this and and I'm like how do you know that and then like, oh, yeah, the podcast obviously I spoke about that the other day you know yeah. oh did I say that yeah I know you're like oh, oh that was recorded that was recorded no um but yeah so I think it's a really great way to connect with your community to actually build a community yeah. rather than yeah. just have people follow you online yeah no, we, we love it. That's why we do it. So, Kate, we couldn't be more appreciative of your time today. We're coming up to an hour, and I know an hour of your time is very, very valuable. So we really, really appreciate your time on the on the podcast today. Thanks for being so open and honest about your your story, and it's an amazing story. And yeah. 
five to six years, it's you're really just beginning, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. It's um, definitely been a journey and hopefully there'll be many years to come. Yeah. And thank you guys for having me as well. It's been awesome. Oh, it's been a privilege to have you on. I can't wait to see where you are in about another five to six years. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> it could be another episode, down the track, episode number, I don't know, 100 down the track. There so. you go. Awesome. And Jess, where can our listeners go to follow our story? They can just head over to the website, surfcoastcreatives.com. We're on Facebook, at Surf Coast Creatives, all one word. We're on Instagram. And yeah, the, oh, the other big one is Surf Coast Creatives Community on Facebook. If you want to join our private little group on Facebook, lots of people will showcase their artwork and all their businesses during the week, so that's a good one. Big shout out as well to the Workers' Hut. Yeah. Dave and Beck have given us the, the boardroom today to record today's episode. You probably heard a few mumblings in the background there. That was the... The delivery guys going back and forth and all the rest, it's a busy little place. So big shout out to Dave and Beck from the Workers' Hut. Workers' Hut 2.0 is coming along really, really strong. There's only a few studios left. We spoke about this before Christmas on our podcast. So there was about a dozen studios that were available at the time. And that's been reduced to about three or four already. They're just getting snapped up. And it's almost finished, almost ready. So thanks Beck and Dave for that. Otherwise, thanks, Kate, and all the best for 2021 and beyond. Awesome. Thank you so much. Same to you.